So nice to have you back. Okay, well, this is going to be part, part one of a two-part series. Let's just be clear on what we're going to do tonight and what we're not going to do so that everybody knows uh, what, what's coming. Tonight is going to be getting your kitchen ready for Pesach, which means we're going to be discussing kashering. We're going to be discussing what things can we use, can't be used, do we need to replace, what can we get ready for Pesach, how do we clean. That's as far as what we're going to be covering in Mirza Hashem tonight. Next week, we will cover the actual Seder table. Um, getting the actual table ready with the matzah and the wine and the murder and the charosis and how much do we have to eat and preparing it. We have Shabbos, so we have a couple of uh, unique halachas to Pesach this year because of the fact that the Seder is going to be on Friday night. That's all going to be next week. Tonight is really just getting ourselves ready as far as getting the kitchen ready. Um, and you'll send me any other questions that we have along the way. We'll try to, if we can't address them tonight, but at least we'll get to them next week. There are actually two separate classes next week. The second one, which I think is on Wednesday night next week, will be on uh, some Divrei Torah to share and some games uh, at your Seder table. So we're going to have really three parts. We're going to have tonight kashering, then we're going to have getting the actual table ready, and then we're going to have uh, some Divrei Torah and some games to be able to uh, be prepared. Uh, maybe we combined it all into one. I don't even remember how we did it. Check the schedule. Make sure we have it all straight. Let's begin. Let us begin. Number one, uh, cleaning for chametz, not dust. This is an obvious thing, but it needs to be said every year. I, I would almost say it like this. My job is the rabbi is to say you don't need to do a spring cleaning. All you're doing is cleaning for chametz. And your job is to ignore me and to clean however you want to clean. But it needs to be said. It's like part of the game. That's part of the deal that we have. But it's important to say that if you're finding it stressful or you're running out of time, we are really only looking for chametz. The Torah says you should not have, own, or see, or have in your possession any chametz. And therefore, um, you only need to check the places where chametz is normally brought. This is an explicit mission of the Torah. Is very clear. The, the Gemara is very clear. There are certain areas you don't need to worry about because you don't. However, the areas where you do bring your chametz, that's where we need to check. So, for example, coat pockets, where uh, over the course of a, a winter you you have. Uh, all sorts of goodies, especially if you have children or grandchildren around, your car, your office, those areas, of course, 100% need checking, you need, and therefore the checking that we do, even though, of course, we're going to do a Badikas Chametz next Thursday night, but that really should just be the final check. From now until then is really where we are room by room, place by place that is relevant looking. But we're not doing a spring cleaning, we're just making sure there's no actual chametz, which means the couch really doesn't need much more of a once over, maybe pick up a, a cushion just to make sure there isn't an actual whole cookie or donut. Not that you're gonna wanna eat that if you saw that underneath the couch, but just to make sure you're not gonna come across it um, as far as clean for it. You wanna do more than that, you're welcome to do more than that, but we're just making sure that we don't have packages of cookies and things lying around. On that note, we do something today which has become standard practice and that's selling our chametz. So let's just throw one or two comments on getting ourselves ready. I know we're talking about our, our kitchen, but this is of course very much part of our kitchen, which is selling our chametz. The halacha is that we're not allowed to own or see chametz that belongs to us uh, over Pesach. So the uh, Jewish people have a long ago come up with the uh, solution to a problem, well, how to get rid of all of our chametz. Well, the Torah wants you to get rid of all of your chametz, that literally when Pesach starts, there is not a morsel of chametz in your house. In most of Jewish history, that was very difficult because of the expense, certainly when it came to whiskey and other items and store owners. And so the idea arose to be able to sell the chametz. The only problem is me, a Jew, owning chametz. But there's no problem with a non-Jew owning chametz. And there's no problem with a Jew having a non-Jew's chametz in their home. So we can sell our chametz before Pesach. 
put it up in a, in a closet, put it away, and then we'll buy it back after Pesach, which you're all familiar with. Just a couple of points that are worth noting as we go through this every year. Number one, whatever chametz you do sell should be put away. It should be in a, a cabinet, it should be in a pantry, it should be taped up and locked away. That doesn't have to be locked away like under lock and key, but where you know, if anybody were to see it, it's a very clearly marked area that is not accessible on Pesach because the entire reason why we do the bedikah is that we don't come to stumble across some chametz and forget and come to eat it since it's the normal thing we do all year round. So certainly the chametz that you're going to sell should be put somewhere where it is clearly marked. If for whatever reason somebody needs to get into that cabinet for something which they're allowed to use on Pesach, there's nothing wrong with going into that particular pantry cabinet or drawer and taking something out. Because the chametz you see is not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the non-Jew. So you're allowed. But it should be that over the, over the duration of Pesach, over the eight days, it really is inaccessible and we don't have any issues. Secondly, something important which I like to mention every year, this is a sale. It has to be a real sale, it have to, it has to be, which means it has to be a sellable item. And I want to combine that with a second thought, which I like to share over here, which is that the Torah wants us to go through the process of clearing our house of chametz. It's part of the Pesach experience. It is part of the preparation of getting rid of chametz, which means that we should be noticing what we're eating, what we're buying, clearing things out, throwing things away. Yes, the Torah wants us to throw our chametz away. Ah, we're wasting food. Not on chametz. Chametz on Pesach are not allowed to have. Now, we don't need to suffer tremendous financial loss, and that's why we sell our chametz. But, I like to mention, there are certain things which are not sellable. You know, you have a package of Oreo cookies and there are like two cookies left in the package. Who are you going to sell that to? What value does that have as a seller? It has to be a real sale. It's not a joke. We're not allowed to own chametz on Pesach. That's a real Torah prohibition, which means that if we're going to have, you have to sell it. Is this a sellable item? So, if it's worth just the experience. Things which you feel you could not possibly sell to anybody, no one's going to buy a quarter of a box of Cheerios, then those things should be disposed of as part of the process of Bior Chametz. The Torah wants us to destroy and get rid of all Chametz. Things that are valuable. I have an entire loaf of, of bread. I have unopened packages of cereal. I have chal in my freezer. 100%. Go ahead. Sell your Chametz. Those are sellable items. But it's worth the experience that if there are certain things that you think, instead of just closing up the closet and poof, it's Pesach, there should be the experience of clearing out and getting ready for Pesach. Part of that is getting rid of chametz. Things that we're going to save and sell, great, put them away. And things that are, should, there should be an experience of getting rid of certain things for chametz. We burn them, we destroy them, we get rid of them in the preparation for uh, Pesach. So I leave that with just those uh, introductory thoughts as we get our kitchens ready, part of this process of getting ourselves ready, cleaning, chametz cleaning, not necessarily spring cleaning, and preparing our kitchens that it should be chametz free. Those that we're going to sell, we're going to sell, and certain things we should have the experience of getting rid of our chametz for, uh, for Pesach. It's a good chinuch, as I'm just finishing that thought, even for our kids, for our grandkids, that that's part of what we do. We don't just like close a cabinet and all of a sudden it's Pesach. We clear our houses of chametz. Things, however, okay, I said enough. Let's go on. Okay, let's get to our kitchen, preparing our kitchen. So let's talk about things that need kashering, things that need covering, things that just need to be cleaned or put away and don't have need require any type of kashering and can still be used. Let's go through all the different uh, kashering things. Okay, so categories. Kashering. So any item which we've had over the course of the year, which was used with a combination of heat and chametz, absolutely requires to be kashered if we're going to use them on Pesach. These are the obvious things like our oven, our stovetop, pots, 
silverware, all of those items are used with hot chametz food throughout the year. And if we therefore wanted to use them for Pesach, they will need to be kashered. Many people do not want to deal with kashering. That's why they'll buy a separate uh, set of Pesach pots or a separate set of Pesach silverware or just use plastic, whatever they want to use. But they can, these items can be kashered to be able to be used for Pesach. I put Kiddush cups on this list because we have a custom to kasher our Kiddush cups. Technically speaking, a Kiddush cup that was used during the year doesn't need to be kashered because it was never used A, in heat, and B, for chametz, because all you put in there is either wine or grape juice. There's no real chametz that goes into a Kiddush cup regularly. You don't use it, you know, you never make uh, oatmeal in your Kiddush cup. So uh, it doesn't need to be kashered, and it was only used for cold and for kosher for Pesach items like grape juice and wine generally. But the minog is, since we do use it throughout the year, it's on the table with the breadcrumbs, it gets, it's all over the place. The custom is to kasher the kiddush cup, even though it doesn't necessarily fit the traditional bill. But if you do want to use your regular all year round kiddush cups for Pesach, the minog is to kasher them, and we'll talk about exactly how momentarily. The three, there are three different methods of kashering. Um, if we were uh, going through the, all this in depth, we would work through each one of the different three and when you need which one. We'll do it briefly as we go through the different items, which ones you need. But some, one of the primary, the most efficient or effective way to kasher is what's known as libun, uh, which means literally burning out, where you burn out the chametz from the item. There are two different types of libun, libun gamor and libun kal. Uh, the, a, uh, like a blowtorch, actually putting something in fire is libun gamor. And there is a method of a, a lighter form, which we'll express in a moment as well. But that's one type of uh, kashrin, putting something in a self-cleaning oven or putting something in an oven in general would be a form of libun. Second form of kashrin is what's known as hagala. Hagala means dipping the item into boiling water. This can be done in one's own home. Uh, carefully, of course, or it can be done uh, the Vad next, this coming Sunday has a couple of hours on Sunday in which they'll do it for you. You could bring your things to the Vad on carry and they will uh, kasher it for you. That's the second method. Uh, hagala, boil, using boiling water. And the third is Irui, in which we pour boiling water over items that need to be kasher. This is what's used primarily for our sink and for our countertops. The reasons why we're allowed to just pour it, why don't you have to dip it in? It's a much higher heat when you dip something into a boiling pot of water is because the countertops and the sinks, we never cook in the sink or on the countertop. By definition, anything which made its way to the sink or the countertop is also removed from the fire because that's how it got on, spilled onto the countertop or in, used in our sink. And therefore we can kosher by pouring from a pot, whereas the pot itself or a vessel itself that was used needs to be dipped into boiling water. Let's go through all of these as we, uh, let's go through each one. So the way that I'm gonna do this tonight is using practical examples of what needs to be kosher. We'll go through all the different methods. I hope this is all a review, um, but we'll go through, that's part of the process of Pesach, right? We go over this every year um, and uh, we become familiar with it. Okay, number one, of course, is let's start with ovens. Ovens, there are two types of ovens that we kosher as we get ready for Pesach. This is one of the things, some people are blessed to have a Pesach kitchen and they actually have a, a separate Pesach oven. But uh, most people actually need, that's one of the items for sure that everybody needs to kosher. We're going to use, unless you have a Pesach oven, you're going to have to kosher your oven. So there are two types of ovens that we kosher. The easy one is a self-cleaning oven. If you have a self-cleaning oven, um, you're, go you're good to go. All you need to do is, 
basically a basic clean and making sure there's no visible food. You don't have to spend a lot of time on that because when you self-clean an oven, it incinerates everything in the oven. It gets up to an extreme degree, 800, 900 degrees. Anything in there is completely burnt out. Um, and that is what's known as libun gomer. That is the highest level of kashering in halacha as well. And because it's the highest level of kashering, because it's such a high level of heat and burning out, the advantage of that is you don't even have to wait 24 hours. The magic 24 hours, which we're going to reference many times tonight, is when we use any form of, any other form of kashering less than libun gummer, the full-fledged blowtorch self-cleaning oven form of kashering. Anything less than that requires a 24-hour waiting period before we kasher. But if we're going to use a self-cleaning oven, because it just incinerates everything inside, you don't even have to do that. You can cook whatever you want. You can bake challah, and then an hour later, you can um, run the self-clean oven cycle, and you are completely kosher after that. Do with it the oven whatever you would like. One other thing, um, when we kosher for Pesach, is the one time a year, I'll just mention this now when we're talking about the ovens, uh, it applies to everything that we do when we kosher for Pesach, is one can switch from meat to dairy when we kosher for Pesach. Meaning in general, someone says, I have this dairy pot, I'd like to switch it to meat. Can I do that? So the answer is generally not. We don't like doing that because it makes things very confusing in our kitchen if we would kosher back and forth and we would go, this week it's dairy, next week it's meat, then we're going to go back to dairy. We really avoid that, not because we can't. Technically, you can. If you would kosher any time during the year, it's parv and you could use it forever we want. In general, we don't switch meat to dairy, dairy back to meat because it will be very confusing. Pesach is the one exception to that. When we kosher something for Pesach, it literally becomes parv and you can do it with whatever you want. So you want to, you have one oven and normally use it for dairy. Pesach, you want to use it for meat. You want to take a pot that's a meat pot and now use it for dairy. You could do a Pesach is like a fresh start. When you kosher something on Pesach, it literally begins afresh. It's parv. It's like the one time a year, it's a reset. And then you can do uh, what you would like with that. So anyway, that's the self-cleaning oven. Easy as can be. You run the self-cleaning oven and it's ready for Pesach. If you have a non-self-cleaning oven, so then the process is as follows. It's not so much more complicated, but it requires a little bit more. You need to clean it. You need to have it all just cleaned well with some type of a, uh, that should be a caustic uh, cleanser, like an easy off, paying attention to the thermostat and the window and the edges. Uh, if it's something that's a discoloration, that's fine. It doesn't matter. It's only something that's like a, a, of substance that actually needs to be, uh, needs to be cleaned. Then you leave the oven alone for 24 hours before you kosher it, leaving the racks in the oven. You turn the oven on to its highest heat, which is usually the broil setting, should be around 500 degrees. Leave it on for an hour, and that will be what's called libon kal. It's like a light burning. It doesn't completely incinerate everything like a self-cleaning oven or a blowtorch, which gets to a much higher degree, but 500 degrees is pretty good, and that will uh, kosher your oven. Again, you wait 24 hours, turn it on to its highest setting, which is often the broil setting, and uh, leave it for an hour, and your oven is now good to go for Pesach. The broiler pan, if you put food directly on the pan, that we would not use on Pesach. Leave it, just put it away, and you'll use that again after Pesach. Um, it should just, 
be noted that this, which we are lenient on to allow you to kasher, even though it does not reach the 900 degrees, is a, a, the ruling of Rav Aaron Cutler out of, uh, out of Lakewood. It, it should be noted that Rav Moshe Feinstein, the great posek, um, did not allow that because it does not get as high as the self-cleaning oven setting of the 900 degrees, and he only wanted a blowtorch or an oven, but we, I, it's worth noting that, but we, we, are, we are lenient on that. If you leave it for 24 hours and you clean it, you turn on the oven to the highest setting for an hour, your oven is good to go for Pesach. That is the oven. They're really pretty straightforward. Uh, any other questions, feel free to, uh, to send my way. Um, the, oven, uh, the oven racks, um, you're saying on the, on the self-cleaning? Yeah. Yes, uh, uh, the self-cleaning, meaning the oven racks in the oven, they tell you to take them out? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh... You could. You could put the, the racks, but they turn blocked, and it makes it harder to push them back and forth. But you could, but it, it ruins them in a way. Yeah, so if you, if you uh, take them out, then you'd have to put them in, wait 24 hours, and put them in, and then run it just on the highest setting. For, for You'll use the other method for cashering the actual racks. Um, before, before you self-clean it? It wouldn't, it, uh, wouldn't matter. Either way, it would be fine. Either way, it would be fine. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not paying attention to the questions as they come in because I can't manage both. I'm just letting you know. I will, I will go through all of them at the end. So send them in as you think of them, but um, it'll be easier for me just to sort of uh, go through my notes and then I'll go back to the, to the questions. Stovetops. Stovetops are uh, far more complicated, um, particularly here where the norm is an electric or a gas stovetop as opposed, excuse me, an electric or a glass stovetop as opposed to a gas stovetop. Um, the electric and the glass stovetops are complicated. And the reason for that is that the areas in between the burners cannot be cashered. The burners themselves, that which gets red hot, is very easy to kosher. You turn on the burners, they get red hot, they're on for 10-15 minutes, and your burners are kosher for Pesach. That's like a self-cleaning oven. The level of heat, is, is since that's as hot as it gets when it originally was turned on, um, and you don't cook any bread on the burners, everything is in a pot, you never like make a piece of toast on the burners, so that is completely fine. You turn the burners on, whether it's glass, whether it's electric, uh, they get red hot for 5, 10, 15 minutes, and they are fine. Just a piece of advice, do not turn on all your burners at the same time uh, to their highest setting. That will get very, very hot in the kitchen, and it's not set up for that. But uh, one at a time, turn on your, uh, the burners and they're good. The problem is the area in between, both if it's a glass stovetop or even the electric ones, that type of metal, there's no way for us to kosher that. You would have to pour boiling water, it would make a mess, it falls inside. There's really, the glass, there's no way physically to do it. You can't kosher glass. There's no way to do it um, to kosher if it's a glass stovetop. The metal ones are technically doable, but they're not practically doable which leaves us with a situation in which the actual burners are now kosher for Pesach. You could take your Pesach pots and you can cook on them, but the areas in between have never really been koshered. And that's not the ideal way that we want to cook for Pesach, in which we have non-kosher for Pesach surfaces which are exposed to our Pesach pots and our Pesach food that spills and things fall out. And obviously that's not the way that we want it. So the, the solution to that is not great, but this is what, uh, what we have. If it's an electric stovetop where that has at least a metal surface, then that's not a problem. You simply cover it with foil 
you cut out your holes for your burners and it doesn't look great. It's not aesthetically pleasing, but it works halachically because you now have the area in between that's covered with the foil. It's safe because the burners are completely exposed to the air and the heat has a, an escape. And um, that way you're fine. And you, if you take a pot off of the burner and you put it in the middle, it's fine. You're putting it on foil. If any food falls out, it's fine. It's falling on the foil. Um, it's it's not, a, not an issue because it's been, it's been covered. The glass stovetops are a little bit more complicated. A, because they're harder to, to cover. And when they're completely covered, there's much more of a safety issue, even though the burners are exposed and the heat gets out, but it's, it's not an ideal situation. So there are some I've seen, uh, I think it was the COR out of uh, Toronto, had no problem whatsoever telling you to completely cover them with foil as long as you cut out the holes of the burners and you'll be totally fine. The OU was a little bit more concerned with the safety of that um, and didn't necessarily want you to cover it. But again, if you cover it and you make a couple of holes even on the, on the glass area just to make sure that the heat doesn't get trapped underneath, it really should be fine. Um, there are those who recommend these, they make metal inserts, so to speak, that you could put um, so that if you ever took a pot off, you would not put it directly on the glass stovetop. It would go on a little tripod. You, in, in essence, since it's not a kosher area, you don't want to take a pot off of the off of the burner and then just put it regularly uh, next to it, which you normally might do, um, because it's not it hasn't been kosher for Pesach. So it really needs to either be cut. Uh, covered uh, with foil or to buy some type of metal trivet, so to speak, that you could leave there that if you ever take the pot off, you have a place to put it that you're not actually putting it on uh, the glass stovetop. It's, uh, it's, it's the way that it is. It's not ideal, um, and it's, but there's no other way to manage that for Pesach other than um, in those uh, circumstances. The gas, the gas stovetops are, are easier. Uh, you clean the surface um, and the grates, don't use them for 24 hours, and then you just put the grates, the, those stovetop grates, either, the, the best thing to do is to buy Pesach uh, grates. That's the best thing to do. You, have, you make a one-time purchase, uh, you have them for Pesach, you put them away with your Pesach stuff, and then you don't have to do anything. You're totally uh, ready to go. Just turn on the burners for a few minutes just to, to kasher that area, but the grates are, are fine. Um, but if you don't have the ability to do that, you would then kasher the grates the way that we spoke about kashering the metal racks in your oven. You would put them in an oven at 500, 550 for about an hour, um, and that would accomplish libun kal, and then that would kasher your grates. So both your, even if you have a self-cleaning oven, your racks, would go into the oven, not in the self-cleaning cycle, just in the regular 500, 550 temperature, and you would do the same thing with your grates from your stovetop. Your other option, if you don't want to do that, is you can cover them with foil, um, which often also is a little bit tedious and doesn't have a great uh, curb appeal in your kitchen, but it works as far as being ready to, to use them for, uh, for Pesach. Those are the two ways to kasher the metal grate of your gas stovetops. Uh, even though I said I wasn't going to do this, I'm just going to check for questions to make sure uh, everything is here. Um, I'm not. I see someone saying about leaving all four burners on for 30 minutes. I'm. I'm just not familiar. I haven't seen that in any of the 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 cashers agencies. Don't write about that. Not the Star K. Not the COR. Not the OU. As far as uh, as far as doing that. China and cutlery is a totally separate issue, um, which we are lenient. Uh, I'm, I'll do just that afterwards. Um, let me at least stay focused on uh, countertops I didn't get to. Can you buy... Okay, all this is for... Fine. Okay. Um, th those that are not relevant to anything I'm talking about right now, I'm going to do later. If it's relevant to what I'm doing right now and I see it, I will uh, stop and do it. Okay, next. Your sink. 
Sink also needs to be kasha. You have two. You have two options for a sink. You could either kasha your sink, or you could put an insert into your sink um, if you need to be. The ones that you can kasha are your stainless steel sink, which is your standard sink. Um, in today's day and age, your, your, your steel sink can be kashered. The way that we do so is the magic twenty-four hours. So you have to just. Plan out when you want to kasha your, your kitchen. When are you turning over? And you want to not use your sink for 24 hours. Use it for cold, uh, certainly for nothing hot, but it's best just to avoid using the sink uh, for 24 hours. That's why a lot of people like to kasha their sinks. Um, well, you, you just, it depends on whenever you want to do it. Just figure out, give yourself a 24-hour window where you're not going to be using the sink, and then uh, we will, you clean it. You should really clean it first and then let it sit for 24 hours. And then the way that we're going to kasher is by pouring boiling water into the sink. So number one, first of all, the drain ideally should be replaced. That's a pretty easy thing to pick up in a uh, Renault Depot, Home Depot, a Canadian Tire, wherever you can. It's pretty simple standard to get a drain. Uh, and you should have a separate Pesach drain because those are hard to clean. They're, uh, so it's worth it. Anyway, it's a good thing to get a new drain every once in a while because of the fact that they get pretty, uh, pretty grody. Um, but, you, but ideally, you should replace it. If not, then as long as it has large holes that can be cleaned well, um, you can leave it in there and kosher that for Pesach as well. After it's cleaned, as I mentioned, 24 hours, and then you pour the boiling water over the entire surface area. This generally requires more than one pot. So you are getting yourself ready. You have uh, two pots. You, you uh, can use a Pesach pot to, uh, to clean it. Um, you do not need to use a Pesach pot to do so. Um, if, you're not, if you're using a Pesach pot, then you're good. You clean, you kasher your burner. After the burners are kasher, now you take out your Pesach pot, fill your Pesach pots with water, and then you'll be ready to go to kasher your sinks with them. If you do not have a Pesach pot that you're going to be using, then you take a regular pot, leave the regular pot unused for the magic 24 hours. Once the pot has not been used for 24 hours, uh, boil up water. The recommendation is to boil up water once, take that water and just spill it out, and then we're going to use it, um, and then you'll use it, fill it up with water a second time, and that's what you're going to use to kasher your sink. Um, the process needs to be done with uh, great care because the boiling pot of water is heavy and it is scalding hot. And if it spills or drops, it is bad news. So make sure that you have somebody handy uh, who knows what they're doing um, with their oven racks. The tricky part of it is being able to have the water still be in a roiling a boil. And as soon as you take it off the, uh, off the burner, it's obviously not going to be bubbling anymore. But you can see it's still boiling. The water's still swirling around inside. You only have a limited time until the water cools to a point where it doesn't work to kosher. So what often needs to be done is you have two pots going. Take one pot and you're, you quickly move it over to the sink and you, you're paying attention when you're, you're moving it all around the areas of the sink. And then after four, five, six, seven seconds, then you got to put it back on the burner for literally for 10 seconds. You'll see it'll come back to a boil right away. Take it back off and continue moving around the sink until you get every area. You need to do the handle of the faucet, the drain, if you're going to be kashering it, if you don't have the ability to get new drains, uh, the area on the side. All the areas, all the metal, um, of course, it's best to line the area right around the sink with towels so that you could do the edges and not have to worry about the water spilling everywhere. The water, put a towel in front of the sink because the water is going to run down the cabinets. You got to ha- get all the areas of the sink. Sinko requires a caution because, of course, we use it all the time with hot waters. We're cleaning things throughout the year, and so it does need to be kashered well, all the different areas um, as far as that goes. Um, 
Anything else I wanted to add about this thing? Those are all. So when we have a a kasherable sink, a a steel or metal uh, sink. If you have a ceramic stink that cannot be kashered and therefore must just be cleaned and then an insert can can be used for Pesach um, available in various stores but you cannot kasher a ceramic sink um, someone told me a sink has not been used for hours without learning I'm not okay. You'll have to go. I'm not understanding the difference between what I said and what you wrote. So let's uh, let us move on. Okay, that's how we kosher the uh, the sink with our boiling water. Clean. Wait 24 hours, and then with the uh, boiling water poured inside. Small utensils and silverware, or even pots and pans for that, or pots, I should say, small pots, can be koshered by dipping them in boiling hot water. So let's say you have. Uh, silverware. You want a kasher for to use all year round and you want to use it for Pesach. Gegas and Tate, you're absolutely able to do so. Um, or you have, as we mentioned, Kiddush cup or small pots and you want to kasher them, you can. As long as they are metal, we can kasher them. How do we do so? Let's just talk about a Kiddush cup or silverware for that matter. Uh, common items that people like to kasher for Pesach. Once again, the magic 24 hours. Before you kasher them, you have to wait 24 hours. The only time, again, just as a review, that we do not need to wait 24 hours is your self-cleaning oven. Libun gum, or if you're using a blowtorch or a self-cleaning oven, you don't need to wait 24 hours. Any other form of kashering, keep it in mind as you prepare yourself, timing-wise, you have to wait 24 hours. So if you're planning on kashering a kiddush cup, for example, so Sunday morning is not the best time to kasher your kiddush cups because you just use them over Shabbos. You have to wait 24 hours from the last time you use them before you uh, kasher anything. After you've waited 24 hours, then you're going to put them into a boiling pot of water. Once again, if you have a kosher for Pesach pot, great. Use your kosher for Pesach pot. If you do not, we go through the same process. Wait 24 hours before using the pot. Boil up some water in the pot and then dump that water out. We're going to dispose of that water. That's part of the kashring process. And then a second time, you will fill the water, the pot with uh, you'll fill the pot with, uh, with water, and then you can use that. Even though it's a non-kosher for Pesach pot, you can use it if it hasn't been used in 24 hours and you ran the water through once and boiled it up and then disposed of that water, you can use that to kosher. Small, you know, the, the best way to, again, if you don't want to do this yourself at home, totally fine. As I mentioned, the Vod is doing it this coming Sunday for a couple of hours um, at, their, uh, at their building. Um, Smaller items like knives, silverware, uh, forks, spoons, and you want to cash them, you simply just drop them in one at a time. If you have a, uh, what do they call those bags, you know, with the holes, like a cheese bag, I'm sure there's a name for it. Um, you can you could put a couple of pieces of silver in the bag and, and put the bag in, shake it around, make sure that they're, you know, that they've been dis- dispersed and not like uh, on top of each other, the silverware, and, and pull it out. That's totally fine. You just need to make sure you have the right gloves or utensils to be able to make sure that you're not going to, uh, to do any damage uh, with boiling water. If you, if you just have a few pieces of silverware to do, literally you can just drop them in one at a time as it's boiling, drop them all in, and then take the, you know, turn the fire off, let it cool down a little bit, and you are completely good to go. If you are koshering a pot and it doesn't fit in at one time, it's not a problem. When it comes to koshering, you can do it piecemeal. You could do this half, then you could do that half, you could do it in thirds, however it works to be able, as long as every piece of the pot or item that you're koshering eventually gets into the boiling hot water, it is totally fine. It's not like a mikvah. 
when we immerse uh, uh, either ourselves or when we immerse uh, utensils that we buy, and you have to take it to the Kalim mikvah, as a mikvah, then the entire item has to go in at one time. Kashering is not like that. We just have to have it in the water so that the, t- the flavor, so to speak, that's embedded in the walls gets purged out, and it can be done a little bit at a time. I, I, this doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it so that nobody ever says that I cause them any damage. If you're going to do a half at a time, when you when you take when it comes out, it's boiling hot. You cannot use your bare hands and put in half a, a pot and then flip it around and then hold it in your hands and put it back in. You will burn yourself. I know I, I don't need to say that. I just need to say this. I don't get sued by anybody who says you tell me to do it half at a time. Make sure you have yourselves a good pair of uh, fire-resistant uh, gloves if you're going to be doing that. But again, if you have smaller items, you can just drop them in. And if you have any concerns, just go to the VOD. If they're open on Sunday, they'll do it for you um, as far as that. The only thing you do need to be careful with if you are doing like a whole set of silverware and you begin dropping them in is that the water doesn't lose its boil. Enough, enough cold metal will go in. If you do it quickly enough, it might take it away from its boil, but then just give it a couple of seconds make sure that the boil comes back and you are done. There is a minhug after after you kosher an item to rinse it off in cold water afterwards. It's just a minute if you forgot or didn't do it. Nothing is, uh, it, the, the koshering still works. So if you uh, put a kiddush cup, let's say, uh, in, in, a, uh, in the boiling water, after the kiddush cup comes out, it does a minute to rinse it off in cold water. If you just drop silverware in and then uh, you let it cool down a little bit, you uh, spill out the boiling water, the hot water, just to run it under cold water. That's the, uh, that is a minute. That is how you would kosher a pot uh, silverware, your kiddush cup. Um, people sometimes like to kosher their um, salt or, shek- or, or uh, pepper shakers if they're having. You want to. You don't have a special Pesach set. Anything that goes on the table during the year that you want to put on your Pesach table, the minig is to kosher it, even though it might not need koshering, but if it's been on your chametz table and now you want to put it on your Pesach table, the minig is to kosher, which is why, as I mentioned earlier, the minig is to kosher the kiddush cup and other items uh, like that. That's as far as using boiling water goes. Just a second, some. Uh, yes, okay. Yeah, you could use, disposing the water down the same drain is fine. Um, even, if it's, even if it's been, uh, it's been kashered already, that's fine. Okay, let's move to countertops. Countertops are the other big uh, ticket item as far as getting ready for Pesach. There are two types of countertops in, uh, in, the, in the kosher kitchen. The ones that you can kosher and the ones that you cannot kosher. And I'm sure it's like on the list of things that like only Jews get when you're looking to buy a, a home um, or you're redoing a kitchen. And like everybody was like, well, what are the countertops made of? Like we ask it in a way differently than for sure any other culture. Like can I kosher these or can I not kosher these? So if you have granite, composite stone, like a quartz or a stainless steel, that can be kashered. Yes, can be kashered. The way that we kasher the countertops is the same way that we kashered the kitchen sink, which is by pouring boiling hot water uh, over it. It makes a mess. There is no way around that. You're pouring boiling hot water several pots worth over your countertops. Your kitchen will get wet. Your towels have to be ready in advance. It is hot water that's spilling all over the place. So you need to be A, very careful. You need to have the towels around and you'll need a bit of time because most of us, there are so many pots that you can boil at the same time and there's a certain amount of space that needs to be kashered. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's a little bit messy. Uh, the other... Can you, you, can you use a steamer? Someone said to me today that many people were told they can use a steamer Ste- to kosher the s- Steamers are a big issue. They come up every year. The answer to that is yes and no. 
Um, and of course, a great answer. Technically, the answer to that is if you were to get a steamer that would get the countertops hot enough, equivalent to the boiling water, then it would work. Practically speaking, I've, I've tried this. I've actually tried it. I went out and not only did I, there are different types of steamers that you can get. You can have, like they make small little steamers that you have for like a, a suit that you have, uh, you know, if you travel and you want to like give it a, like steam it a little bit. And then they make like industrial, so I went out and I rented an industrial size steamer and it was nearly impossible. I couldn't get it. it, it just, a, because steam, uh, a little bit of science, rises. But you need the steam to like be shot out to go onto your countertop. So the way that you hold the steamer to be able to get the steam on the countertop to get it hot enough, um, and, and then to this, the amount of time it takes to go like inch by inch, you, it's, it's not a 10 second thing that you, you run it through. It has to get hot. You have to like hold it in each place. Practically speaking, um, I spoke to many people in the cashless industry and I tried it once, I, I wasn't able to do it. So is it possible to like run a steamer over and like in, in 10, in five minutes to cover it? Yeah, but not in a way that it actually koshered it. Uh, it just, it just, so I, I haven't seen it done in a way that it practically works. Technically, yes, if you, you held a steamer long enough on a countertop that it got that hot, then yeah, it would, it would work. Um, I just practically haven't seen that. Which means, uh, uh, now, as far as, um, so again, the granite, comp any composite stone like quartz, stainless steel can be koshered. Uh, plastics, formica, ceramic tiles, those things cannot be koshered, and therefore they need to be covered. There are many people who don't even like pouring, the, even if they have granite, they don't like koshering because of the mess it makes, and they cover it. Also, you have enough time now, uh, you, can, you need to, covering it is also a little bit complicated. The best thing is to have somebody who's in the plastics uh, business will make for you, you know, covers that fit your countertops, um, and that's the other way to be able to do so. Or you could just cover it. You can. Um, there are simpler ways. Uh, you know, the 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 plastic um, that they sell for like your your Shabbos table. You know, those big plastics that you just want to cover. Some people uh, have those. You know, you could do that. Cut it to size, tape it down, and you can cover your. Uh, main thing is just that it's covered because of the fact that we don't cook on a countertop, we just put food on it, so a, a covering is going to be sufficient that when you put your, now your, your Pesach stuff is not going directly on your, your, your chametz countertop, it's always being placed on uh, something else. But that's always the, uh, the big thing is figuring out how to counter, kasher the, uh, the countertops. Once mentioning for mic and plastics, in general, we don't kasher plastic for Pesach. We do, um, we do kosher plastics during the year. We're lenient, meaning we, like the, the in general, we are very, uh, we are lenient on plastic to, cover, to kosher plastic during the year. Somebody wanted to kosher a dishwasher or a microwave um, or other plastic items, we would do so. On Pesach, we are much more stringent. I'm not saying everybody, there are those who are lenient even on Pesach, but you're listening to me, and the tradition that I have is that we are stringent on Pesach as far as plastic goes. What that impacts is microwaves, dishwasher, dishwashers, your Keurig, those things which are all plastic and we need to be kashered. In general, we do not kasher those things for uh, Pesach. So a microwave is not a major expense. If you need a microwave uh, for Pesach, so one time you spend $100, you buy a microwave and you have it for Pesach forever, you'll be okay. Dishwasher is not so simple and uh, you can buy plastic or you could wash dishes, but we generally do not cash your dishwashers. If you happen to have a stainless steel dishwasher, then you're, then you're in luck. 
that can be kashered. Um, and same thing with the Keurig. We generally do not kasher plastics for Pesach, which gets us into the question which comes up all the time. What about my hot water urn? Um, now, the hot water urn itself is metal, is fine, but the, the nozzle from which the hot water comes out is always plastic, almost always plastic. So can you kasher that or not? So that comes down to the same issue, except this has a secondary issue, which is a leniency. The issue is, in general, we would say, no, we don't like to kasher plastic for, for Pesach. The issue is, does this really need to be kashered for Pesach? And that comes down to the issue, and this is how I always express this um, as we go through this. A hot water urn is, you know, it depends on what house it's in. So in some houses, the hot water urn is used, only water goes in, only water comes out, and it's never used for anything other than a, a mug is used, an empty mug, and you fill it with hot water, and then you make whatever you make with it, coffee, tea, or whatever. If you have such an urn, and you can say definitively, I know this has never been used for anything then other than hot water, it doesn't need to be kosher. So since it doesn't really need to be koshered, so then we would kosher plastic on Pesach, because we're not really koshering plastic on Pesach, because it doesn't need to be koshered. It never was in contact with any chametz. So, but we would kosher it anyway. So you would take your boiling water after you finish with your sink and your countertops, and you would bring your urn to your sink, and leaning it over the sink or standing it up, whatever you do, you would pour a little bit of boiling hot water over the nozzle, and that would kosher it. Ah, we're generally stringent on not koshering plastic. Okay, as I said, doesn't need to be koshered. We would kosher it anyway, and then your urn is good to go for uh, Pesach. You can use it. The issue is, again, practically speaking. This, again, is where it just depends on the home. In my home, for example, we're at Nahara, we have a lot of little kids, and the kids like to make hot chocolate, they like to make oatmeal, they like to make all sorts of other things that they make. So I could never say that my hot water urn is never used near anything chametz, because I know it is, it's used all the time. And once it's used for oatmeal, and they, they make all sorts of cake, bad, they do all sorts of stuff with the hot water urn. And they're kids, they're not paying attention, so they put the thing right up into the nozzle, it's a mess. So therefore, my urn could not be kashered for Pesach because it's plastic and we know that it was used for chametz things so we wouldn't use it. And so this is the basic way that we express the, the can I kasher my hot water urn for Pesach. If you are in such a home and there aren't grandkids running around making oatmeal and there aren't children running around making oatmeal and you know that nothing ever went in or out other than hot water, then yes, the answer is you can kasher it for Pesach, put it in the sink, run a little bit of hot water over the nozzle and you're fine. But if you live in a home where you can't testify to that, you can't say for sure that no one's ever made you know, hot chocolate and oatmeal and all the good stuff that splatters and that's, uh, or, or done anything else with it um, besides for coffee, so then you should not use your hot water urn for Pesach and you should get yourself a different hot water urn, uh, which is the general custom. The general custom is not to use the weak, the all year round hot water urn for Pesach, um, because of the fact that it's around and no one's paying attention all year. No one really can say for sure that they know what it's been used or hasn't been used for. And since the nozzle is always plastic, um, we generally try to avoid it. But if a person knows for sure, you can. Um, but the general minig again is to not be able to say that for sure and to get a separate Pesach uh, urn. Same thing is true with the, um, if you have a, a hot water, uh, not a, a water dispenser, um, you know, for a water cooler. So some are only cold water, some are only some have hot water. So it depends. If if you know I never use it for anything other than water, then again it doesn't need to be kosher. It's fine. 
But if you live in a house where from the water coolers are used all sorts of other things, and we make oatmeal and hot chocolate and all of those uh, flavored coffees and things like that, so then uh, we would not use them for Pesach. That's really just an issue in terms of what, what it is that you use. Warming drawers is also a big discussion. The Postgum discuss uh, the, the, each one of the organizations, the OU, the Star-K, the COR, everyone talks about warming drawers. The general consensus is not to use them on Pesach. There is a way to casher them, but it's a super complicated you a type of burner and you leave it open a little bit. It's like such a complicated thing um, that the general recommendation is not to use a warming drawer. And for those of you, like in my home, where that's like, <gasps> not to have a warming drawer, it's crazy. So yes, this is the eight days of Pesach will allow us to appreciate how great it is to have a warming drawer the rest of the year. Okay, so we don't use a warming drawer on Pesach. I know it's complicated, but in general, uh, we do not use warming drawers on Pesach because they don't get hot enough to really kasher. Um, and since all sorts of things spill in them throughout the year, and we use them throughout the year, there's no real good way to kasher them, and therefore they are not recommended on Pesach. Refrigerators. Refrigerators um, are never used with heat. Um, even if you put something in that's a little bit hot, it's never that hot, and therefore it doesn't ever need to really be kashered because it never was used in a way that would require a koshering. However, of course, it is used for chametz all year round, and most people have spills and things splatter, and they're a little bit messy through the course of the year. So therefore, the refrigerator should be thoroughly cleaned for Pesach, and there is a minig as well to then line the shell so that your Pesach dishes and your Pesach pots and your Pesach food is not going onto the direct same counter uh, space, a uh, surface area that your chametz did. Just like with our countertops, we want to cover it, and with our tables, as we'll get to in a minute, we want to cover it. So our refrigerator also, the minig is to have some type of lining uh, after you clean it so that our Pesach items do not go directly in on the same surface that all of our chametz was hanging out on throughout the rest of the year. Um, those who like to fulfill that minig, which I certainly recommend, of course it's appropriate to poke some type of holes if you have, if there's like a full plastic covering and there's no air circulation, the refrigerator won't work well. So um, it's noted, and this is not a halacha, this is just good practical advice to make sure that your refrigerator functions well, to poke a number of holes throughout the plastic coverings or whatever it is that there can be some air circulation um, where if there otherwise would not be wherever it needs to be to make sure that it works. Tables also, your regular dining room table, same idea. Uh, it doesn't need to be kashered, um, but the custom is not to put Pesach dishes and silverware on the same table, on the same exact surface where the chametz was all year round. So in the same way as we have a minute to kasher our kiddush cup, even though it doesn't really need it, and there's a minute to line the refrigerator, even though it doesn't really need it. Um, so there's a minute also that the table that we sit at all year round, we should not put our Pesach stuff directly on the same surface. It's either a tablecloth or one of those plastic sheets, something so that our Pesach stuff is on a Pesach covering and not directly on the same surface. All of that I say as, as a minhag because it's not actually halachically required. It's just the things that the Jews have developed over centuries to make sure that our Pesach is a chag kosher v'sameach. It is a, a, a kosher Pesach and we keep our chametz separate from our uh, Pesach stuff. And so that's why that uh, general minhag is there to, uh, to cover. I am now going to go through, let's go through the questions uh, one at a time. Let's start from the top and see if we cover what we didn't cover. Can we record? Yes, covered. Okay, that one we got. Um, can you buy bread 
before Passover for after Passover. Meaning, I'm assuming what that means is uh, Pesach is going to end on a uh, Shabbos, Shabbos afternoon, last day of Pesach is Shabbos. And so uh, you're going to want to have something to eat right after Pesach. And you won't have to run to the store because it's going to be very late. So can you buy beforehand? So the answer to that is, there's a, there are two answers to that question. Technical answer, the answer is yes. Because since we sell chametz, so anything that you bought before Pesach, um, you're going to sell. And therefore, it's totally fine. It's not yours over Pesach. And then after Pesach, a few minutes after Pesach, Amil will buy back your chametz. And now you have bread. So technically, the answer to that is 100% you're allowed to do that. The second part of that question is, should you do that? And that's a different question of, and that goes back to what I had said before, of the experience of the Torah wants us to rid our homes of chametz. That Pesach should be a chametz-free experience. Okay, so we, we don't, sometimes it's a big financial loss. What am I going to do? I'm going to throw all this stuff out. I have, I have challah in my freezer. I have all of this food. Okay, so we sell it. And it's fine. You're welcome to sell your food. So here, I'm going to specifically buy chametz to be able to sell, to have right after Pesach. Part of the Pesach experience is I need to get chametz. I don't have any over Pesach. Okay, so some stuff. I, so can you? Yes. Should you? Only if you know that you need to, meaning that wherever you're going to be, is in a circumstance in which you're, you're not going to be able to get and you have to have. Okay, so technically you're allowed to. Would I recommend? Um, I can't say I would recommend specifically buying bread to be able to have for right after Pesach, but technically if you do need to, you can. Um, washing your Kiddush cup with hot water is nice. It will get it clean, but it will not get it kosher for Pesach. You need to, pour bo- you need to put it into boiling hot water to actually kosher it for, uh, for Pesach. Okay, going through the rest of the questions. Can you use steamer? We talked about technically, but it's really practi- impractical, really hard to do that. Oven warns not to leave the racks inside. We spoke about that. Um, yeah, so if you don't want to leave your oven, I'll just repeat that. If you want to leave the oven racks when you self-clean, then they do need to go inside the oven at 500 or 550 degrees, the way you would do that with the grates of the gas stovetop. China cutlery have not been used in 20 years. So this is a major discussion in general in kosher. Can you kosher China? Can you kosher? Uh, and so you cannot kosher earthenware. So China is, a, is an interesting uh, type of material in that it's an earthenware that's glazed over with glass. So what the post can basically say is in general, the default position is no, we don't kosher China. However, since it is glazed over with a glass type of covering, so you don't actually have the earthenware feel to it. The postcom are lenient on China, given that it's normally a great financial loss. If it has not been used in over a year, then we will uh, be able to cash it. So anyone who has a specific question about it, you can get in touch with me. It's not a Pesach question, but in general, if China has not been used in a significant amount of time, it can be cashered in circumstances of financial loss not to be able to cash it. Um... Uh, dollar store has drains. Okay, public service announcement. Thank you. Those who need drains, go to the dollar store. It will not even cost you more than three twenty-five. Which is the dollar store no longer only sells things for a dollar. If you haven't noticed, now they'll go up to three, four dollars. But it won't be too much, and you'll be able to get yourself some fresh, clean drains for Pesach. Um, Can you dispose the water down the same drain? Yes, you can pour the water down the drain. Can a soda stream bottle be kosher? So here's a, this gets into the same issues that we had before. The soda stream bottle itself is plastic. We generally don't kosher plastic. 
Um, the question is if it needs to be kashered. It's, it's used only in cold. It's generally water, flavored water, generally for the soda stream, which may or may not be kosher for Pesach, but probably not. It's probably uh, at least kitneos flavorings, potentially. Um, so I would in general recommend not to kosher a soda stream bottle, but if there's something specific, there's a reason why you need to, because you can't be the weak without it, um, uh, you can. Uh, I will, let me share one quick story before I get to the rest of the, the questions. Um, uh, I, when I was in Neri Yisrael in, in Baltimore, so there was a yeshiva lane. There was a number of families that lived on, on the yeshiva campus. It was called Yeshiva Lane. Um, and one of my chavrusas one year uh, lived on Yeshiva Lane, and he told me after Pesach uh, the following story that the yeshiva, of course, had a soda machine uh, near the dining room. And, uh, but the yeshiva is almost empty Pesach. All the boys for sure go home to their families. And even the people who live on yeshiva lane travel elsewhere. So like the place is basically a ghost town uh, for Pesach. So my friend happened to have been there in Cholomoid. And he happened to be there when the Coca-Cola guy pulls into the yeshiva to replenish the soda cans. This is going back 20, 25 years. So he sees my uh, Chavrusa, who was a friendly guy who we knew, because he was usually around since he lived there. And he said, ah, oh, I good news. I have the kosher for Passover cans of Coke for, uh, for, the, for, the, uh, for the school. So as he's loading in the kosher for Pesach cans, uh, my friend, which he should have never done and he regretted, dude, said to him, eh, it's not really not such a big deal. We don't even really need them. No one's really here. And anyway, it's Chalamoid, he said. He didn't explain to him Chalamoid, he said, but the whole holiday's over in another three days. So the Coca-Cola guy said, the, the whole holiday's over in three more days? How, how long is this holiday? He says, yeah, the whole thing from start to finish is eight days. He says, eight days? The whole holiday is eight days? He said, yeah. He says, you mean to tell me that Coca-Cola changes their entire run of Coca-Cola and their bottling and their packaging for the Jewish people, for only them, for only eight days? He said, uh, yeah, actually, that's exactly what happens. Coca-Cola shifts everything around for the Jewish people for eight days because we can't be without our Coke for eight days. So all of this to say is, yes, we can. We can do without Coke for eight days. We can do. We can, we can manage it. We can do it, guys. We can do it. And all of this is true for almost all these other things of like, can we be without soda stream for eight days? I'm not sure. But let's try. Let's try. Can we be without a warming drawer for eight days? We're going to try. Um, and all of these things. So, yes, we, some of these things are inconvenient. It's easy for me to say because I'm not the one cooking. But I'm going to say it anyway. And we're going to try to do, we're going to try to do without a little bit on, uh, on some of these issues. Uh, it's literally a week. It's from Friday to the next Shabbos, eight days uh, to be able to do so. Okay, next question. I'm just going through the questions. Am I allowed to go into the kitchen if the fridge is chametz and I'm eating elsewhere and only sleeping at home? Meaning over Yantem, meaning it's over Pesach. And... Um, Yes, you are allowed into the kitchen. Um, when you say the fridge is chametz, meaning you didn't clean it out, but there shouldn't be any chametz in there. Well, let me rephrase that. If there's actual chametz that you're selling, so again, just like you have to put things in a cabinet and put it away, you really can't or shouldn't leave open chametz in a refrigerator that you're going to see unless it's marked off. Like, for example, in, in, in our house, the things that we need to, that we sell that are, are not for Pesach, so we'll take a, a garbage bag, either a small white one or a black one, and just sort of tape off a certain area, and that's where the thing... So you should know, this is not for Pesach. 
So, um, but if you're only sleeping at home, um, if you're not going to use a fridge at all, then it's fine. You just basically say the fridge is off limits. I'm not opening up the fridge, and that's totally fine. But if you're going to be opening up the fridge for certain things, then it should be separated the things that are for Pesach and not for Pesach. But either way, you're for sure allowed into the kitchen. That's no question whatsoever. Um, okay, continuing on, some questions that came in. A juicer used only for fruits and veggies. Can I pour hot boiling water over the peers and Yes, that would be an example. Since the juicer is only used for fruits and veggies, it doesn't need to be koshered. We would kosher it anyway, since anything that we use during the year, we do kosher before using it for Pesach. And so 100%, if you poured hot water, put, in, put the, the pieces and the blades in the sink, uh, pour hot water over it, and then when they cool down a little bit, flip them over, and then pour hot water over the other side, and that would kosher that, and you can then use that for Pesach. Yes. Um, blender would be the same thing, except the question is whether or not... Blenders are, are hard to clean sometimes, and it would be the same issue as to whether or not what, what's ever been in it. If you never use your blender for anything other than fruits and vegetables, then for sure. In my home, the blenders are used for all sorts of things. The kids make these concoctions, you wouldn't believe what they put in there. They put in protein powders and this thing, and that, things that are not necessarily kosher for Pesach, um, and therefore, but again, so the plastic blender can't be, shouldn't be kosher because it's plastic. The blades can be. So if it's something that needs to be kosher, then it really shouldn't be for Pesach. But if, it does, if it's something that does not need to be kosher, meaning you only use it for fruits and vegetables, so then you're, you would kosher the blades and you could use it um, for can, I, can I ask you a question? If you, like a Vitamix, if you use it for um, soup that you cooked in a pot, but it was par of, so would that have to be koshered? If it was a, but it came from a hot pot that might have had, I don't know, meat in it a few days ago. So which part are you asking about? Koshering what? what about, uh, about the, the actual Vitamix uh, container. Uh, what's a, I'm confused. What's a Vitamix? What does that mean? It, it's, it's a plastic container that you put the... Oh, yeah. In. So again, anything anything plastic, anything plastic, we generally don't kosher. In other words, the rule is we don't. You have to be able to say... used for fruits and, and vegetables, but the vegetables could be hot. Right. So again... This is where this is. In general, we don't kosher plastic. There are those who say you can, so we can rely on that if we need to be. Um, it just comes down to once we have things that are used all year round, it's very hard ever to say, like, I know for sure what it was used. Even though it technically, but it goes into the sink, and then I washed, you know, something else in the sink at the hot water at the same time. It's just hard for us to really know for sure. So, it, it technically... The thing that I use for the... Okay, that, that I won't kosher then, but the, the other one, the other machine that only is used for cold fruits and vegetables does get washed in my sink all year round. Correct, so that's why we generally try not, again, so if it's something that can, we can kosher, we do, but if it's plastic and we know that it's going to, it gets, I can't say, again, the hot water urn, I don't necessarily put, I don't ever clean that in my sink, it just sits on the counter. But things that go in my sink are now, they're chametz because they're in my sink with everything else and who knows what was in there and there's hot water, I turn the hot water on, it's very hot. So then it needs to be koshered. And so if it's plastic, we don't. That's why we generally just shy away from koshering those things. An urn is easy for a person to say, I know I, I never use it for anything other than hot water. Okay, that's not, it doesn't go in the sink. It doesn't go in the dishwasher. But other things in our kitchen do, and that's why um, we don't want to uh, kosher those things. Also, when you're koshering something in the sink, actually in the sink, is the sink already kosher for Pesach or... It, it would be fine. As long as if the sink hasn't been used in 24 hours, it's fine whether you did or didn't kosher for it. As you want to kosher the blades and put them in the sink, clean the sink, don't use the sink for 24 hours, and then you, whether you kosher the sink or not would be fine either way. 
And if you kosher it and you pour the boiling hot water, it doesn't unkosher it. No, that's right. It would be fine also. That would also be okay. okay. okay now, again, remember, anything that you're koshering, you haven't used in 24 hours. So the blades or anything that you're putting in there haven't been used in 24 hours either. And then, yes, it could even go when you're already kosher for Pesach sink as you kosher. That's also fine. Okay, the, uh, uh, the instant hot water faucets that are near the sink faucets. So they would be kosher like the sink faucet. Yes, you would be pouring uh, hot water over those as well. Yes. Um, okay, moving along. Um, isn't Pesach over on Sunday night? I do not believe no, no, so. No, that was my mistake. I thought the first days of Yantif were over. Correct. The last... Thank you, sorry. Correct. For... Last days, which for those who, who have an Israel connection, this year is very good because the Pesach ends on a Moshe Shabbos, so that there's no extra day that we then. As in Israel, also they have an eight-day Yantiv because since even though for them it ends on uh, on at the end of the day Friday, but it goes straight into Shabbos, so they can't buy back chametz and they can't. They have a uh, they have the same issue that um, they have a two-day Yantiv at the end of uh, that we do as well. Um, okay, um, a, a half-used ketchup bottle. So this goes back. So again, you don't really need to sell ketchup. Ketchup is not chametz. So since it's not really chametz, you don't catch it. Now, we in general would not use an open ketchup on Pesach that we use during the year. For the same reason, it's just a practical reason like we've expressed. Once you have an open ketchup, so it gets used. Who pays attention whether or not it got smushed into the hamburger or it didn't or into the french fries or into whatever else you use your ketchup for. So the custom would be don't use an open bottle of something that was used during the year on Pesach. Does that mean I have to throw it out? No, of course not, because it's not really chametz. It's just, I don't want to use something that I used all year round. I don't want to use that on my Pesach food, because I wasn't paying attention to the ketchup bottle. So that would be a classic example of something that you simply leave in your fridge, put a section in your fridge for your open things that don't really need to be sold. It's not chametz. So you don't need to throw it out. I, I really should have made a, a stronger point about this. So for those of you who are still listening, uh, who are still with me, I'll, I'll, I'll say it now. Uh, mustard. So mustard is kidneys. We don't use mustard. I don't need to throw out mustard. I just don't use it on Pesach. So I, I keep an area in my fridge for my kidneys that I'm going to keep till after Pesach. So my bread, I can't, I can't, I'm not allowed to have bread on chametz. Bread, cookies, cereals, those things need to be sold. But my ketchup, my mustard, my soy sauce, there are lots of things in our kitchen that are, so to speak, not kosher for Pesach. What do I mean when we say that they're not kosher for Pesach? They, uh, we, don't, we don't eat these things on Pesach. But not because they're chametz, just because we don't eat them on Pesach. So those things are totally fine to have an area in your kitchen, in your refrigerator, that are, this is for my things that I don't use on Pesach. I don't, I don't have to throw them out. I just don't want to use them. I want to keep them separate to make sure that I don't end up using it. So I, the, your half-open ketchup and mustard are all in that category of things that we don't eat or use, but they don't need to be thrown out. They don't need to be sold. Um, and that's how we would handle them. Okay, bathroom sinks do not need to be koshered. Bathroom sinks do not need to be koshered. I'm just going through some things here. Uh, chametz cosmetics... Yeah, but still, they don't need to be kosher. You don't need to kosher bathroom sink. Um, is that it? I'm not. Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, can you gargle with... Can you... Oh, I'm having trouble here. Sorry. Um... 
Gargle with Listerine. Listerine, the question is whether or not Listerine is, is a kosher for Pesach. There is a list of kosher for Pesach mouthwashes. I think Listerine is on there, but I have to look that up to make sure. I have to look that up to make sure. I do believe it is, but I'm not positive. Um, but there's a list that's available um, for kosher for Pesach um, mouthwashes. Okay. Um, that is a review. Anything else, please send me, and I'll add it to our discussion next Monday night. Um, anything else, or just send me a, uh, we'll talk about it privately, it's totally fine. And uh, thank you all for joining in, and wishing everybody a chakosher v'samech, it should be both joyous and kosher at the same time, in which we handle everything correctly, we have time to get ourselves ready, and uh, wherever you may be uh, for Pesach, um, may it be in Eretz Yisrael, we still have a week and a half for Mashiach to come and bring us all home. Um, but if not, wherever it should be, it should be a, a wonderful yontiv um, and uh, filled with good things. All right, we'll speak to everybody next week. We'll continue our, uh, our series and have a great night. Thank you so much, Rabbi.